So we're sitting at the closing table. This would be the third company we had purchased in as many years, about a hundred doors we were buying from uh, this woman who was selling it to us. And I could tell she was a little disappointed in herself, thinking that maybe she hadn't succeeded in property management the way she wanted to succeed and the way she had imagined. She signed the papers and as she slid them across the desk for me to sign, she looked at me and she said something that has stuck with me for many years. She said with a great deal of sadness, you know, I never would have sold this company if I only could have hired better people. It was a, a chilling statement. She sold her business because she couldn't find the right people. That's when I realized that getting the right people on your team isn't just important to making your business easier. It is necessary to making your business survive. We want to talk about, first of all, when should you hire? When is the right time to hire? And once you decide it is time to hire, how do you get great people? At the end of that conversation, we're going to take two questions. One is about paying out your owner clients each month. When is the ideal time to pay those owner clients? And secondly, what do you do when owners are asking for contact information or recommendations on vendors? Here we go. Hello, my fellow property managers. Welcome to another episode of the Property Management Business Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Cunningham, where we do all things with one point in mind, and that is helping you build, grow, and protect your property management company. Our topic today, hiring, really is about a couple of those things. It's about helping you build your company. It's definitely about helping you grow your company, and it is also vastly important to protect your company. The quality of the people you have cannot be overstated. I believe, and I mean this sincerely, I believe the biggest unfair advantage that our company has over many of our competitors are our people. The team members that we have in place, we just have a fabulous group of individuals, and that did not happen by itself. It did not happen easily. It takes a tremendous amount of effort on your part as the business owner to attract talent, to retain talent. So part one of everything we want to talk about is knowing when, especially if you're a smaller company, when do you make the decision to make that first, make that second hire? So a couple points on this. Point number one I talk to a lot of companies and I believe most of the smaller companies hire too soon. Now I know you think, well, I have to hire. I'm drowning. I am so busy. I have to hire somebody. Maybe yes, maybe no, but just keep in mind that when you get busy, don't default to, well, I need to hire somebody. That That's the obvious solution. Hiring does not necessarily make the workload that much less because let's not forget now you as the sole proprietor or as the business owner, you now have a person that you have to manage. That takes some time right there. So don't buy into this idea that hire quickly on the front end. As soon as you start to feel stress, you hire somebody. That's point number one. Point number two, I personally recommend that when you're a small company, you re-review your hiring needs every 50, that's five zero, every 50 doors. So when you first start off and you have 30 doors, 
do not even have a hiring conversation with yourself yet. You are not allowed to have a hiring conversation with yourself. You have to obtain 50 doors. Now, when you hit 50, yes, you can have the conversation with yourself and say, okay, is it time for me to bring somebody else on? And you can just make that decision based upon the workload, based upon the income. But once you make that decision, if that decision is no, you say, no, nah, not yet. I'm not quite there. I'm not busy enough. I'm not making enough money yet. Then what you do is you pause that decision and you pause that conversation until you hit another 50 doors. You have to hit 100 now. You were at 50. You said, nope, not ready to hire yet. You have not earned the right to have the hiring conversation with yourself until you hit another 50-door mark. Once you've hit 100, now you have the conversation again. Is it time to bring somebody else on? And if you say, yeah, I think I can, no, not yet, then you don't have the conversation again until you hit 150. And the key reason that works so well is because too often we find ourselves getting sucked back into the recurring conversation of, well, how about now? Should I hire somebody now? I, I just thought about this two weeks ago and I decided not yet, but, but now it's been two weeks and I've picked up five more doors. So what about now? What about now? Put it out of your mind. When you say no, you don't have the right to have the conversation again until you hit 50 doors. That will take away the mental distraction of revisiting that conversation every couple weeks. Don't have the conversation until you hit another 50 door barrier. That's when you earn the right. Next point. This is just my personal opinion, but when you're smaller, don't hire one person until you really think you need two. And this kind of goes back to point number one, which was don't hire too soon. But until you are busting at the seams and you say, man, I really need two people, that is when you can hire one. But just don't hire one when you need one. Figure out how to get more efficient. Figure out how to get more productive with your time. Don't hire one until you need two. That's one of our rules for ourselves. Now, when it comes time to say yes, it it is, I think I need to hire someone. I'm to that point. Then you have two important things that you have to do before you will actually go through the hiring process, which we will talk about in just a couple minutes. But the first thing you need to do is figure out how you are going to pay them. Where is this money going to come from for this new hire? Now, maybe it will come from the fact that you just picked up another 50 doors and you say, yes, the business is now generating that income. Maybe you have to create a new income stream to pay for this person, but your obligation at the point in time that you say, yes, I'm going to hire someone, your primary obligation is to figure out where the money is going to come from to pay for this person. It can't just come off the bottom line. If every time you hire a new person, it's you just think, well, the company will just incur that additional cost. Then you're going to be going backwards potentially as the company continues to grow. So as a best practice, you've got to generate new income to pay for this person. If you're going to pay a person $50,000 a year, then your obligation is to figure out how the company is going to generate another $50,000 per year. That has been my philosophy and for our company at Grace Management here since very, very early on. When we hired a, a front desk person, a resident services coordinator person many, many years ago, we created the position out of, out of thin air. My 
primary task became, how can we generate another $35,000 this year that we didn't get last year to pay for this person? And when you have that level of clarity, you'd be surprised at the things you come up with to create the money to pay for the position. And then the last point that you need to make sure you do before you pull the trigger on the hire is get a very clear and concise position description or job description. What exactly is it you want this person to do? Now, if you're hiring to replace an existing position, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about creating a new position when there's one of you or there's two of you and you say, you know what, Let's, we're gonna hire a new position. We're just too busy. A big mistake companies make is they just think, well, I'll just bring the person in and I'll just start giving them some of my work to do. That is not a very efficient way of hiring. A secondarily, secondary, almost just as bad way is you create a position. You say, you know what? I'm just gonna hire an administrative assistant. My friends, if you are thinking of hiring an administrative assistant, my suspicion is you haven't gone through the hard work of making the position specific. And so you just give it this blanket title of administrative assistance, and you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing the person a disservice because you don't really know what they're going to be doing and they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing. That is not a good way to grow your business. Now, if you have a clear and concise position description for your administrative assistant where you say, hey, here's the seven things you're going to do. Here they are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then that's fine. But typically, if you can get the position description tight enough that you have the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve things they're going to do, you will then be able to create a position title that is much more specific to the role than administrative assistant. When someone tells me they are hiring an administrative assistant, my mind immediately goes to the idea that you probably don't really know what you want this person to do, do you? And so you're just carving out that idea. Okay, so those are the ideas around when to hire. Now let's pivot to the whole second conversation, the second part of our conversation we want to have, which is how. How do you get great people? If I could get a tattoo, I don't have a tattoo. If I got a tattoo, it would say, get great people. Because if that is all I can remember, my business will be so much easier. We will be so much more effective. Everything comes together when you can simply get great people. Now, hiring, that's what we're talking about here, hiring. The problem for most of us is that we don't recognize that hiring is a skill. It's like anything else. You can be good at hiring or you can be bad at hiring. Hiring is part art and it's part science, but it is a unique skill that for whatever reason does not translate directly into property management. You could be the best property manager in the world and you could be awful at hiring people. So we wanna break the hiring process down into two components. Component number one is recruiting. Do you even know what that word means, recruiting? Because effective people in the hiring process think of hiring in terms of recruiting. Recruiting means you go get the best talent available. The word recruiting is very well understood in the sports world, right? If you wanna get that all-star player, you don't hire. We don't use the terms of, oh, they hired a new basketball player for the team. Well, technically they did, but they had to recruit that player. They had to convince that player why they should bring their skill over to that team. It happens 
in the business world as well. So part one is the recruiting. And then part two is the vetting. The idea of, is this person going to be a good fit with our organization? What are the filters that we should put this person through to ensure and increase the likelihood that they will be successful here? What most of us do incorrectly is we only think of hiring in terms of vetting. That's all we do. And we forget that vetting is only part two. If you haven't gone through the recruiting process, vetting doesn't do you any good because you're only going to attract individuals who you shouldn't even be attracting in the first place. So if we think about recruiting, what, what does that mean? How do we bring a recruiting mindset to the hiring process? Well, you've got to ask yourself the question, if I found someone who was truly amazing, why should they choose me? Why should they give their best energy and efforts to me? There's a lot of people out there who want to pay for quality. Am I just going to pay them more? That's not what all-stars are really looking for. They're not looking for the extra 25 cents an hour. They want to come work with and work for somebody who's inspirational, somebody who can paint a picture of why we're doing what we're doing. You've got to be the boss that people want to work for. And to counter my own point there, nobody wants to work for a boss. They want to work for a leader. Why would someone give you their best energy? Why would someone give you their time and talent? Well, they will if you truly inspire them, if you recruit them on you, on your business, on the business model, on the direction of the company. And that's hard to do when you're a small company. It really, really is. There's no magic pill to make that happen, but you've got to have a recruiting mindset. Now, you can do that in a couple different ways. One is you can consider people outside of our industry. Have you ever been at a restaurant and the waiter or the waitress is just unbelievable? Like their conversation's great, their professionalism is great, they're prompt, they're, they are just great at their job. And you think, wow, this person has potential, not just potential, they, they've already got it. Like This person is not where they should be. They're way beyond that. Well, that should be a person you say, hey, I would love to sit down and buy you a cup of coffee and have a conversation. I have a property management company. We may be looking for somebody with your unique skill set. I am just super impressed with you. Have you ever done that? I was talking at an event one time uh, about this concept of looking outside the industry. And a, a woman approached me at the break and uh, she said, hey, here's my business card. And she gave me her card and I looked at it and she said, turn it over. Look at the other side. So on the one side of her card was just the normal information. But on the back side of the business card, it said, I think you could be great at real estate. Call me and let's talk. She said, what I do is I, this is my business card. And I have, I keep a box of these in my purse. And when I'm at a restaurant or a store or anywhere that I meet someone who I think, wow, this person could be successful. I give them my card. And I have found some of the best people to work for me in different places, not out of the real estate or property management industry. I think that's brilliant. That's a brilliant idea to do. One other story around that. A number of years ago, we had to hire a leasing person. We were looking for our director of leasing. We couldn't find anybody. We were doing the old thing of putting a job posting online. And who reads job postings online, by the way, my friends? People who can't find jobs. Right? Star players, A players already have jobs. They're already successful. So we need to keep that in mind under this big umbrella of recruiting is we need to go get them. 
you have to be the aggressor. You have to go. You can't sit back and be expecting A players to be reading Craigslist postings for jobs. That's not what they do. They're already out there being successful. You've got to go get them. And so we remembered the things that we talk about as we could not find a director of leasing. I thought, well, this is silly. I'm going to I'm gonna put on my recruiting hat. And so one day I got in my car and I drove around to several Class A multifamily complexes around Denver. And I walked into those complexes as a prospect. And I would walk in and say, hey, I'm, I'm looking uh, for, for a property for rent for a for a friend of mine, just kind of wanted to know what you have available here. And the first number of places I went into, I was met with the, oh, okay, well, um, here's a document, here's a flyer, here's a website, your friend can go on and check this out and have them call us if they have questions. Just the typical B and C player leasing people who didn't really want to give the extra effort. And then I about the fourth or fifth property I went into, I said my little thing, I looking uh, to get information on a property, on your properties for rent. And then the gal behind the uh, the desk there, she said, oh, well, well, tell me about your friend. Nobody had said that before. And I said, oh, well, he's about six foot four, dark hair, tall, dark, very handsome, uh, kind of like me. And she said, hey, do, do you have a couple minutes? I would love to tour you, show you the property. I mean, I, you can tell your friend about it, but if you have a couple minutes, I'd love to just walk you through the property. Nobody had done that. I said, yeah, yeah, sure, that'd be great. So she talk, takes me in the model and she's kind of showing me the property and, and she was sharp. She was doing the feature benefit thing. And you could tell she was just very good at what she did. I remember her name was Lindsay. I said, I said, Lindsay, you are very good at your job. And she said, oh, I love leasing. I love real estate. I love people. This is just, I, I just, I love what I do. Love my job. I said, wow, well, that's, that's impressive. I said, Lindsay, uh, strangely enough, I happen to own a property management company and we happen to be looking for a director of leasing on residential properties. Have you ever considered or have you ever done leasing in the residential space? And she said, oh, I, I don't think I would be interested in something like that. I'm I'm very into stability. Like I don't like to job hop. When I get somewhere, I stay. I've been here for a number of years. Like, like stability is a big deal for me. So at this point, I'm starting to drool over Lindsay. And I said, well, Lindsay, gosh, it sounds like you have an amazing job here. Is, is there anything you don't like about your job? And she said, well, we work weekends. I, I, I'm not crazy about that. We always have to work weekends. I said, oh, yeah, I understand. That's, that's too bad. You know, at, uh, at our company, we, we don't work weekends. But she said, you don't? I said, oh, no, no, never, never, never. Lindsay, I'll tell you what. Here's my card. Our office is just down the street. Would you mind coming into my office and we could just sit down over a cup of coffee. I would love just to get to know you a little bit more. And who knows, maybe something comes of this, maybe something doesn't, but it's always good to have connections, always good to meet people for the future. Would you be willing to do that? And she said, yeah, I, I guess I'd be willing to do that. So sure enough, she comes into the office and now I'm, I'm recruiting here. Right? I'm recruiting. I, I'm not vetting her yet. I'm still in the recruiting mode, but she comes in and we get to know each other a little bit. And the more I talked to her, the more impressed I was. And then at some point in time in about interview, we, they weren't actually interviews. We weren't calling them interviews. But in conversation number two, I kind of started to vet her a little bit more. I switched from my recruiting hat to my vetting hat, made the determination that, yes, this is somebody we really, really want. And so at this point in time, we'd gotten into more conversations about what it would take to have her potentially join our team. And I was, I was painting this beautiful picture of who we are, the opportunities 
for her with us. And, and she was very interested. We got down to it and I made her an offer. I said, Lindsay, I think we, we, we need you. Like you would be a great fit here. This would be a great opportunity for you. You would be a wonderful fit for us. Here's what we could do. Here's what I would like it to look like. And I, I made her an offer and she said, okay, well, let me, let me think about that and I'll get back with you tomorrow. And I thought this is a slam dunk. We got her. And I remember she texted me the next day and said, uh, or maybe left me a voicemail, said, hey, I'm, thank you so much for your time, but I'm going to have to decline. Thank you so much, but I'm going to have to decline. Now, what would you have done there? Because here's what I did. I picked up the phone. I called Lindsay. I said, Lindsay, I'm, I've got to tell you, I was just really disappointed. Um, I'm just curious, like what, what's the reason, you know, things were going so well. We like you, you like us. What's the reason, just for my information, on why you said no? And she said, well, where I'm at now, I live there. And if I quit my job, I can't live there anymore. And if I don't live there, I have to come up with money for a security deposit to move into a different place. And that would be another 500 bucks. And I just, I don't have another 500 bucks for a deposit. And I remember saying to her, Lindsay, are you being honest with me? Like, is that really the reason? Because if the reason is, if you're just saying that to be nice, but you're really like, these people are crazy, then I respect that and I'll hang up right now. But is it truly just the idea that you'd have to move? If it weren't for that, would you want to join us? And she said, absolutely. If it weren't for that, I would totally come on board with you, board with you guys. I said, I'll tell you what, let's make this easy, Lindsay. I'm going to offer you a $1,000 signing bonus on day one. And you can take $500 of that and go get your deposit. And you take the other $500 and go buy yourself a new couch. How does that sound? Needless to say, Lindsay came on board and Lindsay was fabulous for us for a long time. Now, that was hard work. But it was just as difficult as finding a B or a C player. Now, now you know what? As I say that, that's probably not right. It was even more difficult than finding a B or a C player. Because interview, interviewing and vetting is hard. Recruiting is twice as hard. I probably put out twice as much effort, but it was effort well extended. We got Lindsay. She was amazing. That's what recruiting is, my friends. That's what you have to do if you want to bring somebody on. So real quickly, let me offer you six steps in the recruiting slash hiring process. Number one, you got to have a tight, super impressive job posting. Look at the job postings that are in our industry. When you have a few minutes, go onto one of the, the job posting boards. Look at the position postings for property manager. Most of them want to make you gag. They, they look terrible. It's like an invitation to come work at a prison. It's awful. That's not attractive. That's not a recruiting mindset. In your job posting, you need to paint the picture of why you want to attract people. Talk about the opportunities in the industry. Talk about what you do, how exciting it is that you improve lives through real estate. You're placing people in homes that need properties. Paint not a goofy picture, but a true picture to attract people. That's number one. So you get the job postings out there. Now, we've already talked about you being aggressive. So this is aside from you being aggressive and going out and looking people. This is assuming people are just applying. But if somebody applies, step number two is to do what we call like our five-minute drive-by. A five-minute drive-by is a phone conversation. You do not have them come into the office yet. If somebody submits a resume, you call them up out of the blue, and it's a five-minute conversation. And the only purpose of that five minutes is to determine their ability to speak articulately. That's all you're looking for. So you call them up, you say, hey, this is Mark with Grace Management. I received your resume uh, for the position of property manager. And then I would say, do you remember applying to that position? Because sometimes they say, well, I just hit the reply all button and I applied to 800 jobs. 
okay, thank you very much. Goodbye. But if they say, oh, yeah, I did apply that and say, okay, great. Well, I, I'm reviewing your resume here and uh, just was curious. Can you tell me a little bit, a little bit about yourself? You leave it that open-ended. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And then they usually say, well, do you want to know about my business side or personal? And you say, both. The whole point is just to get them talking. You're just trying to determine, is this a person who I want to take the next step with in the interview process, in the recruiting process? And to do that, I need to determine their ability to speak intelligently. And in five minutes, you can tell that. So at the end of that five minutes, if you're like, yeah, this, this person doesn't even understand how to carry on a conversation, then you just say, thank you very much. We're still reviewing resumes. Uh, if we have further interest, we'll be in touch. Or you say, gosh, I appreciate all your information. Um, I'd love to uh, reach back out and schedule a face-to-face -face interview with you. Um, can I email you? So you, that's where you're going to make the, the first break, which takes us to step number three, which is the face-to-face -face interview. Now you bring them in for face-to-face. -face. Probably going to be 45 minutes. Have some pre-prepared interview questions. Uh, you can, uh, I think we have those on our website. You can jump on our website, pmbuild.com. You may find them on there. Have your interview questions, bring them in for a face-to-face. -face. And during that interview, you want to make sure that you let them talk more than you. Most of us go the wrong direction. We just talk, 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 because we're trying to impress them. Shut up and let them talk. So we do that twice. We do a face-to-face, -face, and then for our step number four, we do another face-to-face. -face. Same thing. Get them talking about themselves. Step number five, check their references. I feel silly even saying that, but I'm shocked at how many employers don't go through the process of checking references. Ask the reference if they think they will be successful in your position. And then step number six is you make the offer. Now, when you make the offer, you don't just say, here's an offer. I'd like to hire you. That is the culmination of the recruiting process. That is why you need to convince them why they should leave their current place of employment and come join you. So you got to paint a pretty picture. You got to tell them how awesome it's going to be for them to come join your team. That is a lot of information in a very short amount of time. But if you can figure this out, if you can figure out how to recruit star players, my friends, I promise you, your life will get so much easier. And you know one way to tell whether or not you've got great people on your team is are your processes simple? If you find yourself over-focusing on checklists and processes and systems, and, and I am a checklist and a process and system guy, don't misunderstand me, but great players, they lean into those, but great checklist will not fix a wrong person. When you combine and you marry an A player with a good system process, checklist, whatever you want to call it, that's a match made in heaven. And those A players will be amazing for you. You've got to do it. Make that your goal. That will become your unfair advantage. And if you think, well, I don't have time for that, my friends, I would propose to you, this is the most important task you do. Hiring, attracting, retaining, recruiting A players for your business. Now, maybe you're thinking, you know, Mark, that, that sounds great, but I'm not going to hire an employee. I don't have the funds for that. I want to hire a virtual assistant, a VA. Is that an opportunity? And yes, that absolutely is, but you have to be careful with that. I would recommend you use a company that specializes in that, and that's where VPM solutions 
come in, right? You know you're shorthanded. You know you need to hire someone. You don't have the time to look for candidates, interview them, do all the things that I'm talking about here, or you maybe you can't afford somebody. Well, VPM Solutions can be your one-stop shop for sourcing, training, onboarding, even paying those remote team members. They're the only online platform dedicated fully to the property management industry. And what does it cost you to utilize their platform? Nothing. Their industry-specific search engine utilizes your ability to search thousands of candidates in over a hundred different countries. And you can search for them based upon their unique skill set. You want them trained in a specific software? You want to make sure they can do RentVine? Well, that can be a search parameter. You want certain property management skills, certain countries, certainly hourly rates. You can search with those filters in place. As far as training, you can utilize VPM's best-in-class training platform to find already trained, pre-vetted candidates to train your current team. Don't pay a headhunter thousands of dollars to help you find your next remote team member. With VPM, you're in control of the process. You can find candidates in minutes. So when you don't have enough time to hire, you can utilize their white glove service and their team will help you do this. This can be a true no-brainer. One of my favorite things about VPM solutions is that they will give you preset position descriptions, preset jobs, preset checklists for the positions. So it truly is a thing that can help you hire. So when you're ready to hire your first or your next virtual assistant, jump on their website, VPM. That's V as in Victor, P as in Paul, M as in Mark. How could I not say Mark? VPMSolutions.com. I know these folks, their website is fun. It's one of those sites that you're going to get on there and you'll get addicted to it because you're going to see all the position descriptions, the job postings. You'll probably end up stealing. Shh, don't tell Pete. I told you that. Pete's with VPM Solutions. But you can actually steal some of their job descriptions and use them for your business in other ways. VPM Solutions, check them out. Okay, let's move on to a couple questions here. Uh, this is from Lauren. Lauren said, Mark, I hope you can help me figure out the best way to handle owner payments so owners get their payments in a timely manner, but we don't run the risk of a tenant bouncing a check and putting the owner's account in a negative cash flow situation, which of course is a trust account violation. How do you handle this? We're in the process of changing payments so that owners are paid on the 10th for the prior month but this has been rather unpopular with our owners. Suggestions? Well, yes, I imagine, Lauren, that would be very unpopular with your owner clients when you go to them and say, hey, by the way, uh, you're going to start getting your money a month later than we typically get it to you. But it's a very real problem because what happens if you deposit all your rent payments and then you pay all your owners only to find out some of those tenant rent payments bounce, now you're in a negative cash flow situation for your trust account, which puts you in a very bad situation. So there's a couple different options. One would be what Lauren is proposing here. You'd say, you know what, I'm going to put the money in the account, but I'm going to sit on it for a period of time just to make sure it doesn't bounce. Now, Lauren's proposing to sit on it for a full monthly cycle. So the idea would be we will pay you out the following month for that prior month. If that were possible, and if owner's okay with it, Lauren, it's it's brilliant. That is the best solution if you can convince your owners to go along with it. The problem is it's going to be a hard sell to your owners. And not only that, but when a person is considering hiring you and they're talking to three different PM companies, if you tell them that you don't get them their money until the middle of the next month and they go to a different company 
And the other company tells them, oh, yes, we get you your rents the 10th day of each month, the same month. That's a hard hurdle for you to overcome because owners want their money quickly. They want it fast. They want it immediately. So, for example, for us over the course of years, we have sped up the timeline it takes to get owners their money. Many, many years ago, we would close out our accounting cycle the 25th day of each month. That gave us enough time to see what checks would bounce. And then we had to speed up that payout to the 20th. And then we sped it up to the 15th. And today we are at the 10th. So we tell our owners they get their money by the 10th day of each month. Now that gives us enough time to see if a tenant payment is going to bounce. Sometimes they still bounce. That's when you have a business decision to make. Are you going to transfer some of your operating funds into the trust account to offset almost like a loan? Now, I'm not giving accounting advice here. I'm not giving uh, trust accounting advice for you, uh, although I do teach trust accounting, so I guess I could actually give that, that advice. Whatever you need to make sure you do to make sure it falls in line with your real estate commission rules and regs, but typically in most places, you could do a loan. You just have to make sure you're reconciling that and showing it properly, and that's not ideal, but what other solutions do you have? It's This is not a problem to be solved. It's a tension to be managed. It's something that's going to happen, and so you've got to figure out an opportunity or figure out the best opportunistic way for you to deal with a bad situation. So sorry, that's not, that's not, I feel like that was a terrible answer for me, Lauren, but hopefully it, uh, it helped a little bit. Okay, here is a, uh, another question from Brandy. Hello, Mark. I'm facing a bit of uncertainty regarding how to handle inquiries from homeowners seeking vendor recommendations for home improvement work during our management journey with them. Could you advise on setting clear boundaries in such situations? So what I'm thinking Brandy means here is you're managing a property and an owner reaches out to you and says, hey, um, I'm doing some work either on my own property or maybe for a property that you guys don't manage for me. Can you give me some names of vendors you use? You have a decision to make there. Our decision to make there for us is no. We're going to say, and we're going to be a little bit nicer than that, but we're going to say, you know, the vendors that we have in our vendor network are really busy. Uh, and they don't have a lot of spare time. We keep them very busy. And that's one of the benefits of working with us is you get access to our vendor network for the properties we manage. But for properties we don't manage, we do not share our vendor contact information because we just keep them so busy that we don't want to spread them too thin. Now, that's a that's a fair way of saying it. You're not going to make owners mad by saying that to them because it's understandable. The idea is, hey, they're in our vendor network and we are just keeping them so busy. They would love to do work for you, but they don't have the bandwidth. They're just too busy. If you've got a question you'd like us to answer on a future podcast, just jump on the website, pmbuild.com. You can click the Contact Us button and we will do our best to answer a question for you on a future podcast that you have. You know, at the time I'm recording this video, we have just completed our third Visit Grace event where 10 different property managers from around the U.S. came and spent two days with me and my team, and we had a good time. Thank you, Anika, Dina, William, Lindsay, Dawn, David, Heather, Andrew, of course, Andrew, oh, Andrew, Amy, John, Liz. That was a tremendous time. We had a blast. Our team had a blast. That was the third event that we have done like that. We plan on having another event most likely in February. 
If you haven't checked us out on this, jump on the website. You can see exactly what it is, but it's an opportunity to immerse yourself in how to run a property management business. We don't talk about how to manage properties. Instead, we, for two days, talk about how to manage a property management business because that's a very unique skill set. We talked about hiring, for example. A couple of the people there scared me because I think they wanted to go and recruit some of my current team members. But I made sure, Andrew, that did not happen. I put up some barriers to keep you from contacting my team members because I don't want you stealing them from me. But thanks, everybody, that came out there. That was a lot of fun. And if you are interested in a future event, as I said, it's only 10 people. We have not opened up registration yet for a February event. But if you want to get on the waiting list, simply email me. You can email me at Mark, that's M-A-R-C, Mark at rentgrace.com. I will put your name down on the waiting list so that when we open up registrations for our February event, you would be the first to know about that. My friend, what you need to remember is that great players are hard to come by. And if you want a great business, you've got to get great people. It costs you more money. It costs you more effort. It costs you more time. But that is the best investment of your time and your money versus anything else in your business. Get great people. Get it tattooed on your arm. Practice it. And if you do that, I promise you will not regret it. My friends, until next time, I wish you success. 